Hurts for NBA range. He buries a triple. You're listening to the Talkin' Johnny's podcast featuring St. John's University student, Ryan Olson. Johnny Nation, I'm back. It's your host, Ryan Olson. And it's another episode of the Talkin' Johnny's podcast. Wednesday night, I used the term must win. Many of you said, I don't use that word in January, but I did. And I think it was the right term to use because the Red Storm agreed with me and they played like it was a must-win game. They left everything on the floor and they played 40 minutes of intense, high-level basketball. 70-50 to Red Storm over the Wildcats. First time the Red Storm have completed a season sweep of the Wildcats in, let's just say, quite a long time. The Red Storm would come out in this one. Simeon Wilcher notably would get the start. A big deal considering Rick previously said that freshmen don't usually have a huge impact role in his teams early on. But that was not the case on Wednesday night. Simeon got the start, had a steal, looked very comfortable, a few assists early on. Was in a flow, playing next to Danis Jenkins at the two. He's learning, not only learning from the bench, watching Danis, but now he's learning alongside Danis on the hardwood. I think it's very valuable experience, and I think the sky is the limit for Simeon Wilcher. The Red Storm would use an 8-2 run sparked by four bench players. Four bench players. Dresa Traore, Zuby Ejiofor, Jordan Dingle, and Glenn Taylor Jr. sparked a run that gave the Johnnies a little bit of comfort halfway through the first half. It was an 8-2 run. Only starter on the floor was Danis Jenkins. And Dresa Traore really was a huge part of this run. He had a big-time block on the defensive end. Then on the other end of the floor, buried a corner triple, had the garden on their feet. There's no one more that I like to see succeed than Dresa Traore. He really has the energy and intensity that you want from all of your guys. He's a great teammate, always out there slapping fives when the guys come in out of the timeout. All did that all last year, despite the hard year that we had. He continued it this year, and I'm happy to see him get his moment to succeed on the floor. In addition to Dresa Traore having a little bit of time on the floor today in this one and getting some good looks, it was Glenn Taylor Jr. Glenn Taylor Jr. saw his role diminished from earlier in the season. Earlier in the season, he was a starter. He was a top contributor for this team, a very glue type of player. But he's seen his role coming off the bench more recently. Came off the bench again in this one, but came off the bench as a threat. Offensively, he's been very quiet of late, but in this one, he was not shy. He buried two three-pointers on the offensive end in the first half. Huge shots to help the Johnnies ultimately go on a 13-2 run. And all of this happened while Joel Soriano was on the bench. Further demonstrating the point that this team is deep. Rick goes 10 guys deep with this team. And that is going to prove so, so very valuable as you go down the stretch into February and then later into March. But all things considered, the Red Storm would go up as many as 15 in the first half. That lead would dwindle to 8 after Villanova answered with a 7-0 run. The Johnnies lost their offensive flow, their offensive mojo. With the final 6.5 minutes, the Red Storm would only score 4 points. But with all that being said they would still take a 10-point lead into the half. And why did they take that 10-point lead into the half? It was their smothering defense, up in your face, forcing pressure, 
Rick Pitino's press that he brought out forced a couple of turnovers, got Villanova less time to get into their sets. The Red Storm were really relentless. And that was the leader of that relentlessness was Joel Soriano. This team lives and dies with Joel Soriano. You may disagree with that statement, but I believe that to be true. Joel's health defense in the first half was unbelievable. I remember watching the game back. Jordan Dingle had a mismatch down low. Uh, Dixon was trying to post up Dingle. Boom, Soriano steps in, forces a kick out. They had to reset their offensive possession. Same thing. Glenn Taylor, mismatch down low. Forced the kick out, forced the reset because Joel Soriano asserted himself in the paint and made his presence known to any Wildcat that decided to try their luck in the paint. But ultimately, down that last six and a half minutes, the Red Storm's offense went cold. And R.J. Lewis took a couple of bad shots. Rick, I don't think, was too happy with his performance in this one. He pulled him out a couple of times after some kind of reckless and undisciplined drives where he was swirling and whirling and shots were going all over. But nevertheless, the Red Storm went into the half up by 10. Simeon Wilcher would finish the half with the last four points for the Red Storm, hitting two mid-range jumpers, demonstrating not only his ability to be a facilitator and a setup guy, but his also ability to score at a high level. And we saw that at the end of the first half. But kind of taking away some keys from the first half, Villanova was 2 for 13 from deep in the first half. Another key testament to the Red Storm's defense. We saw this against Marquette last Saturday. The Red Storm's defense did not give up a single three-pointer in the first half against the Golden Eagles. They did give up two, but Villanova shooting a very poor percentage from behind the arc. The Red Storm have done a really nice job as of late of defending the perimeter. Villanova also had seven first-half turnovers, echoing the point I made earlier about the Red Storm's relentless defense, help defense, forcing traps, forcing contested shots, all of the above the Red Storm were doing in that first 20, opening 20 minutes. On the other end, for St. John's, St. John's hit four first-half three-pointers. The three-point game is a big part of this team's success. Yes, they struggle to hit the three-pointer, but when they do, they're firing on all cylinders, and they did that in the first half, hitting four, enabled them to go on a 10-point lead at the half, Two of those threes were made by Glenn Taylor Jr., an unsung hero in this one. Glenn was my impact player of the first half. He had six points and a plus-minus, a plus-13 in regards to his plus-minus. Though the one thing I wasn't thrilled about in the first half was that the Red Storm did not have a single free throw attempted. I'd like to see the Red Storm be more aggressive, get to the line, get to the basket. They would only score 10 of their 32 in the paint. Um, St. John's relies on that, and I would have liked to have seen them kind of pound it down a little bit more, maybe to Soriano early. He only took four shots in the first half. He did make three of them, but a lot of three-point attempts, 11 three-point attempts. But again, just a nice balance of, of three-point shots and paint touches is what we ultimately want from the Red Storm. So the second half would kind of start out with Joel Soriano, and it was the Joel Soriano's second half. He was the story. He was the dominant factor for the half that enabled the Johnnies to ultimately go on to win this one 70-50. He scored the first basket of the second half, and he owned the second half. He had six points in the first half, but he would finish with 15 in the second half, dominating at his will, dominating Eric Dixon, dominating anybody who wanted to go up against him, the height advantage he would have on mismatches, taking it to the basket, hooping harm, Joel was everywhere and the Red Storm needed. Villanova did hang around, though. A 10-point lead at the half. They would cut it to five with about 10 and change remaining. So this was not, by and large, a dominating performance 40 minutes throughout. The Red Storm led controllably through all, but with 10 minutes left, it's just a five-point game. So any given run by the Wildcats, and boom, they could be right back in the lead. But a 14-2 run by the Red Storm would seal the deal. They would be. It was 42-37. 
Red Storm, the next time you would turn around, it was 56 to 39, and by then the damage had been done. It was the two-man game between Jenkins and Soriano. Pick and roll, easy finishes for Joel around the basket. Not a single free throw attempt that in the first half I mentioned was a concern. But the Red Storm made adjustments at the halftime break with Rick, and they had 14 free throw attempts in the second half. Much more to my liking. In the second half, Dingle was the X factor. In his return throughout the full 40 minutes, he was a plus 17 on the night. He had a really big impact. The Johnnies really missed him against both Seton Hall and Marquette. It's really good to have him back. I think sometimes people um, undervalue his role to this squad. He may not be a big scorer like he was at Penn just a year ago, but his role cannot be diminished. He is huge to this team. He can knock down the outside shot. He can get to the basket. He can calm things down. Plays nicely next to Jenkins. I was impressed with his game. In the second half, the Red Storm continued their great defense from the perimeter. Villanova would have only two made three-pointers in the second half. The Red Storm only made one three-pointer in the second half. Yes, they got to the paint more, which I was happy about, but this one three-pointer made in the second half is a little bit problematic because they had a lot of second-chance points. They had a lot of offensive rebounds. They were doing the little things, so it didn't matter so much that they weren't shooting at such a high clip from deep in the second half. So the Johnnies would run away in this one. They would win this one 70-50. Crowd was on their feet. Crowd could take an exhale after almost a week and a half of straight losing. The Red Storm are back in the win column. Now they have a week off. Their next game up against Xavier. But I wanted to note, there's a huge stat that I found in this one. St. John's is 4-0 in Big East play when Joel Soriano scores 16-plus points. When he doesn't score 16-plus, the Red Storm are 1-4 in conference play. Joel Soriano is the catalyst of this team. When he is playing well, this team is playing well. Point blank, plain and simple. This team lives and dies with Joel Soriano. Good interior play. So they have the threat of the outside, but then they also have the dominance in the inside. Joel got more shots in this one. I was very happy. There had been a couple of games where he was in his little funk where he wasn't getting a ton of touches, ton of shot opportunities, but he was doing a great job. He was getting in position getting around Dixon, putting himself, getting Dixon deep in the paint so that Joel would have an easy turnaround hook or even a lay-in. He was doing a great job at that. I can't emphasize enough how good the defense was in this one. Nova's 50 points, that was their lowest total of the season. But they were led by Eric Dixon, who's been a steady player for them. He had 16 points. TJ Bomba was also very good with 12 points. But other than that, no one really stepped up for the Wildcats. They had a lot of missed open looks. And they settled for some poor shot selection, especially Hausen. I remember in the first half, uh, Villanova had a potential two-on-one, but Hausen settled for a, a, a transition three. It didn't fall. I was very confused to why. But Villanova, from the start to finish, had some questionable shot, shot selection, couldn't hit open looks, and were settling for a lot of three-pointers. In this one, they were four for 25 from deep, equating to 16%, a horrible percentage. Villanova will now take on Butler. They are currently playing Butler as we speak. In terms of the Red Storm, it was Joel Soriano, of course, with his 21 points, 8 for 9 from the floor, 9 rebounds, a huge bounce-back performance. It was so nice to see the ovation he got as he exited the floor. Huge hug from Rick Pitino and that smile on Joel's face. He is the captain. He is the face. He has been through adversity with this squad. He's talked about how he wants to win here. He came back for another year with Rick to prove to this city his ability to win and be on a winning squad, and he is doing that despite his tough couple of games. The fans love him, and I love him, and I was so happy to see him have a huge bounce-back performance. Jordan Dingle, like I mentioned, X-factor, X-factor in this one. 
12 points off the bench. Really good balanced scoring. Again, a little concerning. St. John's shot 26% from deep. That needs to improve a little bit as you come down the stretch and you play teams like Creighton, like Marquette. You know, though you're going to have to shoot at a little bit of a higher clip if you want to come out on top in those ones. So now this kind of brings me to my final point before I wrap things up for this episode. And I want to talk about where the Johnnies stand right now in terms of their net, in terms of their quad one opportunities to come, and in terms of their resume as we head closer to February and then ultimately into the Ides of March. Right now, the Red Storms sit at 36th in the net, a very respectable place, in firmly in the NCAA tournament field in just about every bracket projection. Two and five in quad one contests. W, uh, win with over Utah and the Charleston Classic and a win at Villanova were both deemed quad one. But three of those five quad one losses came by a combined six points, a one-point loss to Creighton, a one-point loss to Marquette, and then a four-point loss to UConn. Like I've said in other episodes, one shot away, two shots away from maybe not being two and five, maybe being three and four, maybe being four and three. It's This team is right there, and they've proven they can compete with just about anybody. So that doesn't concern me that they're two and five in the quad one. They actually have six upcoming quad one contests through the remainder of the season. They have at Xavier versus UConn, at Marquette, at Providence, versus Creighton, and at Butler. All six of those contests are quad one. So a big opportunity for the Red Storm if they can try and maybe take three Four be great of those quad one opportunities. I think at Xavier next week is a huge chance for the Red Storm to carry on the momentum that they started against Villanova on Wednesday night and take that momentum, win on Wednesday in Xavier, and then go on to the Garden for a huge contest against the UConn Huskies. There's a lot of juice riding on that one with the drama between Danny Hurley and Rick Pitino. But if the Red Storm can win that Xavier game on the road, pick up another quad one victory, it puts them in position to finish strong down the stretch. But they've been really good in quad two games. They're five and one, quad three and four games, six and one, only loss in the quad three and quad four coming to Michigan. The good thing about St. John's schedule is to close things out. They have three quad four games coming against DePaul and Georgetown, one quad three game, and then one quad two game at home at UBS against Seton Hall. So still work to be done for the Red Storm. They are in position to be in position, like I said last episode. But let's finish strong. We're an eight or nine seed in a lot of brackets. Some even will push us to around a 10 seed. I'd love to get around the six, seven seed. I don't want to be in the eight, nine game and then have to play the one seed next. Let's try and move our way up a little bit. Let's win a couple of these big quad one games going forward. Let's continue to show the nation that a rebuild does not take year after year like we've been promised in past administrations. You can win now with the right coach, with the right caliber players. Rick Pitino is proving just that. It's go time. The calendar is going to be turning to February. In fact, their contest against UConn at the Garden next Saturday will be their first contest of February. February is the make or break part of the schedule. You can determine where you stand and where you fall based on your play in February. The Red Storm could use a huge week ahead. Enjoy this nice break that they have and then come out raring to go. Finish strong. Let's go, Red Storm. As always, a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for listening. Let's go Red Storm, and I'll see you at the Garden next Saturday. Let's beat UConn, baby!